For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 705, welcome to today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with my co-host, Josh Miller of Fleur Landau. Josh, how are you? Excellent, thank you. Excellent. And uh, this evening, we present to you Mitch Joel. He is the founder of Twist Image. Mitch, welcome back to CJD. Thanks, Dan. Hello. Hello. So, <laughs> we, we, we begin with the simplest question of all. Uh, tell us about yourself and about Twist Image. I have no idea how to answer, how to answer that question. <laughs> I'm uh, very existential. Exactly. Uh, who who are who is anyone, Dan? Is what where I'm are about. we? Yeah. Right why now? are we? What is existence? Um, so, well, Twist Image is a digital marketing agency, probably one of the largest independent digital marketing agencies in Canada. Uh, myself um, and three other business partners started this company in 2000, which is sort of a lie. Two of the guys, Mick and Aubrey, started this in 2000. I joined them in 2002 and marked the, our fourth, the, four horse, the fourth horseman. Mm -hmm. He joined probably a couple years after I did. Uh, the vision back in, in 2002 is somewhat simple. We wanted to, um, we wanted to create a, a different type of marketing agency, one that really embraced technology, one that encouraged brands to not just sort of fall into the traditional mindset of let's take a TV ad, no offense, or a radio ad, or <laughs> a newspaper ad, but think differently about how to build your business. And we started using these channels, these newer channels ourselves, to promote our business. I mean, I come from a traditional print background where I was writing and publishing magazines, and I thought, well, blogging is a pretty cool way to have an idea and tell a story and publish it instantly for free to the world, and if you're any good, maybe someone will care. And we just started doing that. We started blogging, you know, back in 2002. So it's like 11 years ago, which is mm -hmm. crazy, um, about how we see this new world of how brands can connect better to their consumers. And that really helped create a platform for the agency to be recognized and be acknowledged. And it's led to a whole bunch of things for us in terms of just growth with the clients. Uh, the blog has become really popular. We do a podcast every week. Um, I come on the sister station show them every Monday mornings and talk with Terry and Heather B write books speak and it's been a great way to promote how we see the world and to grow it now currently the company is about a hundred plus people with offices in Montreal and Toronto and we service uh, big national multinational brands tend to be our client base you know brands like TD and Canadian dairy farmers and Walmart like that. You, you, you talk about digital marketing and you know certainly blogging hasn't been around forever you were probably one of the earlier on uh, one of the people that started earlier on has it changed drastically over the years you know between the technology or what when you say digital marketing between 11 years ago or 13 years ago and today has it been a really drastic change and t tough to keep up um, well, I mean, it's interesting because I just wrote a blog post the other day about how the blog is celebrating its 20th anniversary, mm -hmm. believe it or not. Now, again, it probably became commercialized and some and stuff, you know, probably a year or two before I started. But yeah, I think what makes it such an amazing space, I mean, you and I were talking off air about how you enjoy your day because every day is a different day, different client, different challenge. Digitals like that only compounded because you have different clients and different challenges. But we're definitely seeing a massive transition. I would say that massive transition really has taken place, I think, in the past five years, believe it or not, where not only has um, the adoption been there across all demographics and psychographics, so you have really young kids who are using these devices and you have really old people who are using them too, but one of the sort of things I talk a lot about in, in my new book, Control Alt Delete, is this idea that what most people don't realize is that technology is has removed technology from technology. I mean, if you think about things like your smartphones and your tablets, 
they're hyper-intuitive. There's no instruction mm -hmm. manual. You don't have to know a bunch of codes and commands. And if one unplugs, how do you reboot it? Like all that stuff doesn't really exist anymore. It's, it's somewhat intuitive. It's very human. And that has created a, a cascading effect, if you will, in terms of what we do. I mean, the Facebook of today looks nothing like the MySpace of yesterday. I mean, MySpace was really, um, well, it was messy. It was really hard mm -hmm. to build a page and do something really cool with it. But you transition to Facebook, and again, really, really intuitive, really natural and easy to use. And I think the changes have been dramatic from a business perspective, even more so, because you have consumers that are going onto these platforms like Twitter and Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram or, or whatever, and they are actively connecting and they're actively sharing and they're really comfortable with that. And people say, like, who would want brands there and advertisers there? Well, people do. If they like shows and if they like products, they're happy to connect with them if they're going to get an offer opportunity or have something to say, sometimes positive, sometimes negative, and that creates a new dynamic. It's interesting to say that you came on kind of a couple of years after 2000, after Twist Image kind of started, and they're the four horsemen. Are you all complimentary? I mean, the four of you play specific roles or have your specific tasks, and I'm sure you overlap a little bit, but I, I would think that you complement each other a great deal. Yeah, I, we, um, you know, again, I spent a lot of time, I spent over a decade in the music industry, and I was uh, right there watching really amazing bands that we all know and love totally implode uh, and have culture clashes and personality clashes that you couldn't imagine and one of the things I love most about uh, the relationship that I have with the agency is the relationship that I have with my business partners and we are really really close and really really good friends too it's not just a sort of working thing where we really like each other part of the reason speaks to your question which is the fact that we always jokingly say that uh Everybody hates what I do and I hate what they do. Mm -hmm. And that really makes a very complimentary thing. And so when I think of things like bands and stuff like that, I'm always like, wow, this is sort of like my little version of the Beatles where I guess they fought a little bit, but the music they created was great and we don't fight that much. You have different hairlines too, I'm sure. Uh, varying, yeah. <laughs> is it hard in a creative medium to have four different partners, four different cooks in the kitchen? Do you often argue about creative, uh, creative projects? I think it does if everybody, I think one of the challenges you see in other agencies is the fact that a lot of times it's led by two creatives or a creative and a strategist, and that's going to lead to always friction. Uh, in our scenario, it's not like that. You know, Mark, who is our CEO, is very much driven on how do you grow this business. Uh, me being the president, but my real thing is business development. I'm like, how do you get new clients and get you know our, our current clients as excited about technology as we are? Mick is, we call him our chief product officer. He's the intersection of the creative product and technology and how those worlds come together. And Aubrey is an operations guy. He's making sure that, you know, when someone gets a quote, it's fair and it makes sense and there's profit in it and stuff like that. So we don't have it in, in that sense. But I would say that, um, yeah, you know, I, there's, there's another guy in another agency who, who once said to me that, uh, you know, we're tough on the work and not on each other. And I always thought that was a really great thing to be because if you're not tough on the work, which is ultimately what we sell, um, it's sort of, you know, so it's just, oh, it's, it's good. I mean, that's not, you know, as an entrepreneur, you always want to do more and be more. So, you know, yeah, we're tough on it, but we're tough on it in a loving way because we want to always try and push a little bit more, whether it's our, our people to be, have them be inspired more or the clients to have them have the latest and greatest or whatever it is they're capable of without even knowing it. Is it something that, I mean, the four of you that certainly exchange ideas all the time, and thinking back 13 years ago or 11 years ago and today, was it maybe a lot less formal back then? Is it more formal now? I mean, do you guys have set meetings? I mean, as your business grows, you kind yeah. of have to, you know, take chunks out here and there and make sure that things get analyzed and done. 
are, how formal are you guys with uh, with getting together and strategy? Well, we're you know we're, we're pretty formal. I, it's sort it's sort of going back. You know, everything's a music analogy to me. So I'll go back and say like we're not like a, a, a jazz improv band where it's like hey anytime you're ready let's just go. And we're not like a classical band where we're just following this sheet music as it is. We're more like a rock band, I think, where it's like we all know this is the bridge and the chorus. We might jam a little bit to get to the to, you know to the second verse, but together um, we have structure. We have our management meetings and our partner meetings on Mondays. I just came from that now, but I mean we work really closely. Our offices are, are almost connected, and we will often be seen you know walking to each other's offices to. Balance. I mean, one of the great things about working with people you love and you respect so much is the fact that I've got three mentors like built mm -hmm. into my business that I can always ask about whether it's something creative or business-wise or even personal. Because you know, after being together so long, we we you know we've seen each other without spouses and kids and stuff like that. We've seen real life be lives be built around it, and you know, people come and go in the business. It's normal for, especially in a business where you're hiring a lot of young people, and that dynamic is is fine and having people stay is fine but ultimately the four of us as business owners mm -hmm. are responsible for the outcome anybody can come and go but you know as a business owners you're the ones who are really held accountable and so we uh we try and have some formalities to it but we also like to be a little bit loose well that, and that's important listen the the relationship that partners have with each other is actually absolutely huge and and either contributes to the success or impedes it in some way so I think that's great and when we come back we'll talk a little bit more about the people side and human resources and see how you kind of manage that in your business I'm curious Mitch Joel our guest from twist image here on today's entrepreneur it's for professional advice with a personal touch consult Fuller Landau chartered accountants and business advisors click on flmontreal.com 718 welcome back to today's entrepreneur inspiring stories from outstanding business people Dan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you and our guest is Mitch Joel of Twist Image, and uh, Mitch uh, is the head of, of course, a, a modern marketing, uh, digital marketing company here in Montreal. And uh, Josh, should we talk a little bit uh, about HR? Um, so important in sort of a creative field because to get the right fit for uh, certainly a, a creative agency is can be tough sometimes. It's you know people, you know people can look at it two ways. It's either your number one expense or possibly and your number one asset. Just a question of where you classify them, where you prioritize, and what your goal is ultimately for your clients. And certainly in the growth, as you said, you're in a couple locations now, 100 plus employees. Uh, you weren't like that, you know, 10, 13 years ago. Uh, how how did you handle the growth of that increase in employees? How do you keep that culture the same? I don't know that you do. I don't know that you keep the culture the same. I think that you need to keep a value system the same and hope that your culture sort of maintains. Uh, there's a lot of books about culture and how to nurture culture and the, the more and more, and this isn't my first rodeo either, mm -hmm. but the more and more um, I watch businesses, I wonder if culture isn't sort of just something that is, and you just gotta sort of like pat it along and hope it, it goes along your merry way. But it does come from the top though. And it's organic. And it's organic. Yeah, and I do think that there's a certain presence that a brand or a business can create that, that does speak to sort of what it is. I mean, I don't look around my office and go, this is very contrarian to who I am as a person. It sort of feels like the type of people I'd want to hang out with and the type of work that, that fits the sort of psyche of the, the four business partners and our management team and stuff like that. But, you know, finding talent and growing talent it, it, it amazes me because i look at it as it feels like everything just happened in a snap it feels like you know yeah it, i mean it is long when you think of 14 years but it doesn't feel long it feels like we just started or we're just getting started we're sort of going and have a lot more that we want to accomplish and 
when I think about what it took to get there, it seems like it was Herculean. However, I'll see other shops that come out and just like, you know, explode with two, three, four hundred people or they acquire a shop and they're like 800 people before you can blink. And I'm always like, well, how do you maintain the culture and how do you do it? I, I think you just do. Uh, my, my whole philosophy that I hope I share with my business partners is that we want to be as big as we can be globally even so long as we can keep doing the quality of work that we try and put out. And as long as you can balance those two, I'm, I'm happy with having hyper growth and things like that. But finding talent and maintaining talent is really hard. And it's especially hard when we're crossing over both creative and technical. Mm -hmm. So that's two very crazy spaces. Have you been able to find a way or create policies so that everybody is treated equally, quote unquote, or as much as equal as possible? You try. I mean, you definitely run into scenarios as you grow that forces you to put in place the things you would hope you'd never have to put in place. Policy manual. Yeah. I mean, HR, you know, it's stuff. And again, like I, people always ask me all the time, like, you know, can I work for you or whatever? And I'm like, I really don't touch HR. And I, I, I couldn't honestly tell you what the policy was. I know that, you know, I have two of my business partners who really do that well because I don't. And I let them sort of run with it. But you sort of hear through the grapevine, whether it's complaints or compliments about like how you're doing on that. And we do you know, employee surveys and try and figure out how, you know, what, what's the temperature? Like, how do people feel about the environment? And I would, but I would imagine at some point you kind of cross over from the informal to a little bit more formal. Yeah. You know? You're definitely not like swearing and, <laughs> and cur you know, cursing and being sort of like, you know, like the way I would be hanging out with my buddies. Um, and I'm also really cognizant of the fact that people have obviously different values and moral systems in place and I don't want to offend or have anyone go yeah he looks really nice on the blog but you know in person he blah 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 and you know to be honest it's a moral compass that I think comes from you know my mm -hmm. parents and stuff where I don't also want to be perceived as that guy it's not my thing I always look at life and say you know uh, would my parents be proud if I had said that in front of them or you know now that I have young kids I think a lot about the legacy that I want to leave and I hope that people who work in the feel a bit of like that you know, he's, he's respectful of the work relationship versus being wonka wonka buddy buddy. But we have people who are like that and they're quite comfortable. You're, you're, you're not in the human resource function per se. That's probably one of your partners. But can you just give a quick comment? Is there talent out there? Is it difficult to find talent for your business? I think it's always difficult to find talent no matter what business you're in. You know, I, one of the Jim Collins and Good to Great often talks about it's not just getting the right people on the bus, but mm -hmm. it's in the right seat. And uh, we, we tend to forget about that seat part um, and finding sometimes we find great people and it just doesn't fit. Sometimes we find people who we think, oh, who knows, like we just grab them somewhere and they wind up being absolutely amazing because they have a hunger and a drive. Um, it's just the dynamics of, of a bigger environment that I think forces us to rethink what we would hope. Because you come in as an entrepreneur and you're like, everybody's going to be as crazy and as passionate about this. As, and they're not. Uh, they're just not. It's a great job and they love the environment. But uh they could go somewhere else tomorrow. And you have to be really sensitive to that and respectful of that. I don't say that in a negative way. I mean, in a really deferential way Like we are very much focused on making sure that they are doing their best where they are. And that if they're not, that they're really comfortable saying they're not, because I don't want anybody to be working for me going like, I don't like it here and it's not fun. I'm, I'm not being paid enough or uh, that's not fun. If you don't stay on top of them or be part of them and be, and be involved with them, then they could go astray and you don't keep everybody on that that same path. I mean, that that's huge. Yeah. And it's, it, it can be somewhat harder for me to do within the organization just because of what I do. And I think a lot of people sort of see a persona of what Fitch Joel is versus 
me and so whenever i hear the whole like they're a bit intimidated or they're not sure i'm like really because i'm just the guy here in, in jeans but i i can understand that a little bit because i'm sure i would be the same way if, if 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 the roles were a bit reversed so you just try and be yourself and hope people have fun in the environment mitch joel of twist image our guest tonight on today's entrepreneur at 724 for professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants, and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.26, welcome back to today's entrepreneur. Mitch Joel joins us of Twist Image. And Josh, we're talking about HR, finding uh, creative people and, and that process. Uh, certainly certainly tough in, in the creative medium, but, uh, but also when it comes to Montreal, uh, Mitch, you probably sort of have a bit of a gift here, given that we have such a creative population, a bilingual or trilingual population. Is, is, was that part of the, the reasoning to, to uh, in establishing Twist Image in Montreal? No, I, I live here. I'm, I lucked out. You know, when you, when you think about growing what we would call a national agency in Canada, you know, part of it is being French. And being based in Montreal is a major foothold for an agency like ours because you have a lot of people who have com competitive shops who are national, I'm using air quotes, but they're not. They really don't have a presence in Quebec unless you can really supply and speak to customers in both official languages. You're sort of out on the outs. I just happen to live in the city. I love the city. I've been here my whole life. I speak um, multiple languages for sure. Um, the talent here is really interesting because you do have this whole Ubisoft world of gaming and technology and a culture that was really brought up here. People learning tech, programming, front end, back end, stuff like that. With that, you have a lot of creative stuff here. You have agencies that started originally Cassette and then your Taxis and now your Siddeleys. And hopefully one day we would be part of that group. I think we are, but different type. And yeah, you it attracts a different creative set. And together, it's really powerful. That being said, it's also a challenge because it's a smaller city in North America. And when you have talented people like that, they tend to not stay here. They tend to go elsewhere. And so... Uh, it is cheaper to operate here, for sure, than it is in Toronto, or it would be in New York or Chicago, wherever. Uh, but keeping talent here is really expensive because if they're really, really good, they're going to go. And you, you also ha you have a Toronto location as well. Are there any challenges between the Montreal human resource or staff and the Toronto staff? I mean, everybody remain on the same page. Do you have to kind of treat them differently or are we a bit more casual here <laughs> no no you know philosophically we always had a philosophy when we opened the toronto office of it being one office with a very long hallway and if you ever come to our office we actually physically demonstrated we have a, a massive wall that has a shot live into the toronto office and it's vice versa so it's like a two-way camera and when you literally look down the hallway it looks like you're going into another office but it's actually toronto so we try and live it both physically and spiritually but I'd be lying if I didn't say that for sure there's a different crops of talent. You know, Toronto very much is the center of the advertising universe in Canada. And so you're very much able to attract different types of talent there, specifically in client services, I would say, and, and definitely in creative and copywriting. Uh, Montreal, very, very different. Again, very great for technology. But again, you know, we see cross-pollination across the two. And I think it just depends on the company, what type of, if you want to have separate offices that offering a, a, you know, as unique independent units, you can do that. We've always loved the idea of Silicon Valley and digital and startups and collaboration and that type of vibe and so far so good. A challenge that you seem to be overcoming. I think that's great. When we come back on the other side, Dan, I think we'll explore this great agency. How about the marketing, the marketing that they do, not just for themselves, their clients. Let's talk a little bit about that when we come back. Mitch Joel of Twister Midge, our guest on today's Entrepreneur. It's coming up to 730.
Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Josh Miller of Fuller Landau. And our guest this evening is Mitch Joel of Twist Image, a uh, local digital marketing company. And, uh, well, not local, I should say, more international now, Mitch. Uh, but Josh, uh, we're talking, uh, well, to get to marketing in a second. But first, uh, let's talk a bit about financing, and particularly in the context of you know, these, these modern economic times, certainly uh, when uh, companies and corporations start cutting, usually communications, marketing is, is one of the first places they look. Uh, unfortunately, and depending on the business and the entrepreneurs say, you know what, if I can't measure it, if I can't get, if I can't know what my bang for the buck is, well then maybe I got to cut there first and go after the things that I can see and feel and touch. Uh, not always the right decision, the best decision, but seems to be a common decision, uh, which I'm, which may or may not have affected you, Mitch, uh, over the years. I mean, you've, you've, I guess, Twist Image has kind of lived through one recession, financial crisis, two thousand eight. What, what do you see your clients and how do they react with, with costs and dealing with trying to, I guess, um, rationalize, their marketing expenses. You know, it's funny because whenever people talk about that, I, I think back to I'm I'm one of the past chairman of the board of directors of the Canadian Marketing Association, and that comment always sort of rings in my head because I'm like, it, it's so not accurate. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, businesses think like that, but the truth is, why we grew and why we continue to grow, you know, significantly through recessions and stuff like that is the fact that everything we do is highly measurable. In fact, I would say everything else is a complete waste of money. Mm -hmm. I and mean, we live in a world where if a consumer is looking for something and they, they, they do a search on your product, your service, your competitor, or just in the in the sort of industry that you serve, you could be present and you would only pay for that ad if someone clicks on it. And if they click on it and you're smart, you could do a data capture on them. You get an email address, something to know about them. You're creating a dynamic sales funnel unlike anything that's ever existed. And so that idea of like marketing is the first to go because I can't measure it is only for stupid people. It really is. In this day and age, I see people who are so efficient with this stuff that it, you know, Often when I speak to brands, the first thing I'll say to them is, what's your cost per acquisition for a new customer? And they don't even know. Even yeah. sophisticated marketers, they don't know. And to me, that's really shameful and embarrassing because they are. They're, they're throwing money away in a world where you don't have to anymore. So had we gone back 15 years, I'd be like, yeah, I see what you mean. You take an ad and you don't know how many people walked in the door because of that or because of something else. Well, I can show you right now today how many thousands of people looked for something, how many of them saw what you did, how many of them clicked on it, how many of those people you were able to convert. And the conversion could be they bought from you, they could be they gave you an email address, could be they watched the video. All of that stuff is so measurable that I'm almost like aghast at brands that think that they can't measure their marketing in a world where they can measure every single inch of it. They just have to want to and be smart. Does that mean you don't have any price pressures from your customers? No, you always have that. I think that there's always competition and there's always opportunities. And I jokingly tell my business partners that you could take the logos of all of the top digital agencies in the world and throw them all in the air and wherever the website they landed on it pretty much be accurate. You do offer similar services and products to your competitors. Uh, what you offer that's unique is you, the way you think. Mm -hmm. uh, the amazing thing about this as a service-based industry is that it's really driven by the unique abilities of the individuals within that organization to extract an insight for the brands they represent and drive some sort of result. Um, it is primarily the same reason why 99% of all ads are terrible. It's because finding that insight and delivering it well and having it match is somewhat like striking oil and you want to try and strike oil every day so is it difficult when you were first starting out and i don't know how much has changed till today when you're determining pricing when you're you know you're you're selling a service you're selling i mean more than air wind and steam you're selling a bit thought process some ideas creativeness uh and i won't say you're selling people because uh, that's no longer legal uh but uh that there must must be some rationale when you're 
trying to figure out how much do I charge my customer? Sure. Might be different today than it was 13 years ago. I hope so. Yeah, I mean, look, the business model is fundamentally very easy. I do. I sell a human unit of time for more money than I pay for it. I mean, that is what we do. The complexity of it comes in the size. So when you start off and you're small, you have to sort of earn your keep mm -hmm. and you'll take on, you know, nonprofits, you'll take on opportunities to try different things, you'll try and build a portfolio. As you grow and experience success, you're trying to benchmark yourself against similar organizations of similar size. And you know, you look to mentors and people you know, like and respect and ask them, you know, what what's your blended rate or how do you work? Is it a blended rate? Is it project based? Is it retainer based? And you try and figure out, you know, a model that works for you based off of things like your overhead and your rents and your, you know, all the, all the stuff you got to sort of look at in just the skew of operating a business. But um, it is a very tough business. It's a service-based industry. The margins can be somewhat thin if you're if you're not careful, and it can be really brutal if you're not smart. Has your model changed over the years? Yeah, I think it always does. I, you know, when we always had a vision to service national, multinational clients with ongoing digital marketing mandates, and we're there now, but we weren't there for a long time. So you would take projects and you would do a project and charge an X, X amount knowing that you may not win in terms of you know margins, but that it would be a great portfolio piece. Uh, and the dynamics change over the years all the time. I think you're always looking to, you know, one is increase your rates because you're providing more value and find clients that are willing to pay for those rates because they feel that there's an equal exchange mm -hmm. for goods and services. And those tend to be the best relationships where both parties, you know, we talk about business all the time. and I say the best deals are the ones where both parties feel like they extracted value. I'm happy to pay you because I got what I wanted. Um, when there's one side that's trying to get something over the other party, real estate's a great example of yeah. that, um, it's really hard. You know, it's very rare. You see two people who bought a home say like, I was happy to sell it to you for that price and I was happy, I, we all got what we wanted. It's like, you never hear that. In my business, you're always looking to create that value and that's why I like it because I'm not, you know, I, I tell people all the time, I have very thin skin. I don't have thick skin. It's nothing personal, it's business. Well. Uh, you know what, I'm doing that a lot of hours every day and I take it really personally because it's mine. And when you first started out, I mean, did you have, when you, the four of you were sitting around the tables going, where are we going next? We got we to price this, we got to try and make money, but we also have to invest in, and build for ourselves. I mean, did you have a kind of a, a, a plan? Did you, did you stick yeah. to something? Did you, did you go out there and say, yeah, we got to try and do A, B, C, D. Uh, it might have gone off the rails and you did C, D, E, F. Um, but did you, did you have something kind of set out at the beginning that evolved over time? Yeah, well, the, the, you know, the plan was to bring Mark in, you know, yeah. who's our CEO. He was a, a veteran of the industry. He had done this. He had grown a multi-office agency to, to worldwide acclaim here in Canada. He was a mentor, a guy that I knew, loved, and respected. Never thought for a million years he would ever be a business partner. When I was sitting there with my two partners, I said, you know, I think this guy would be an amazing foursome for us. And I think he could do all the things you just said, which is clear the brush on all the things we had no idea about. He knew how to scale an agency from zero to X amount. And it's, you know, again, I'm, I love my business partners and I really do think it's one of the better business decisions I made, which was giving up a quarter of the company to someone who has experience clearing that brush. And, and that's huge. I mean, realizing what you don't know and can contribute and filling that gap is, is a huge part. So now let's come to marketing. Sure. You're doing this for your customers day in, day out. What do you do for yourself? What What are the best tools that you learned over the years from 2000 till today that's worked well for you from getting the name Twist Image out there? Well, we've been really successful in just putting out into the world how we think. And we do that mostly through you know my big bald head. 
and we really treat it as a persona. I don't sort of go like, I walk into a room and I'm Mitch Joel. I, we really look at it like we have twist images of brand and we have this Mitch Joel persona and we have this, what we call the six pixels content engine, which is the blog and the podcast and the books and the speaking and the media appearances and stuff like that. And we just leverage that as a way to get the message out there. Uh, I would say most recently what we've done is, is thinking less about content marketing and more about how we distribute that content. The default was you put it on your blog and you put it in your podcast. The newer way that we've been doing it is I contribute to places like the Huffington Post and Inc. Magazine and Harvard Business Review. So now what I'm doing is putting the tentacles of how we think out into different pockets with different business people that may not have heard of us. The book is included in, in that as well. The two books actually would be included in that. And that creates newer types of audiences that we can engage and connect with. And the public speaking has been great as well. Have you, when you were earlier on, were there certain media or forms of marketing that you tried that just absolutely failed, didn't work? You said, you know what, tried it, great, not going to go back to it. Don't say radio. <laughs> Except for radio? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, we never, we didn't feel it would be authentic to use traditional advertising as a way to create attention. And the spirit in which we went into it was, I have a passion for creating content, both audio and written. Mostly written, I don't mind audio. I don't have a face for YouTube, so it was never in my in my sort of brain of doing video, and I, just the complexity of it as well wasn't my thing. So I think along the, the course of creating over 400 podcasts, I blog every single day, so we're talking like I don't know how many thousands upon thousands of blog posts and articles. Yeah, I see which pieces work and which pieces don't, but it's a live ecosystem. So I can put out a blog post today, and I, I call it digital tumbleweeds or virtual crickets. Nothing happens. But the next one that I think is sort of asinine or weird or whatever will get like a million pickups or, or shares or whatever it might be. And you learn from those. And I sort of figure out the dynamic. I mean, you know, very candidly, after 10 plus years of doing this, I almost don't care what works and what doesn't. I'm sort of just following my heart at this mm -hmm. point and putting out content that I'm interested in doing with the hopes that there's an audience out there that likes the same types of things that I do. But I do think it's important for every business to figure out what the mix is. Not every business has a guy like me that loves to write and loves to create content. And that's where they struggle. They try and do Facebook and Twitter, but no one there actually cares. And so much to talk about marketing. But as we come to the, the next break, uh, I think we're going to move on. And after the break, we're going to have Kevin Ammerman. And we're going to talk about websites. And right. websites and kind of mobile and, and security and all that should be, should be interesting. Today's Entrepreneur on CJAD 800. Our guest is Mitch Joel of Twist Image. More after the break. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur 748. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Dan Delmar along with Josh Miller of Fuller Landau. Our guest this evening, Mitch Joel of Twist Image. And let's also add in Kevin Ammerman, IT specialist with Fuller Landau, uh, to the conversation so we can talk uh, a bit about um, websites and, and mobile websites and security and uh, all things that, uh, that Mitch is certainly very conscious of. And uh, a lot of news lately about mobile security, even today, um, you know, about, uh, you know, governments hacking into people's cell phones or various, ha I mean, it seems like there's a different hacking story every day. So, so Kevin, I mean, how do you even begin to, uh, to protect your, your content? Well, it's, it's not even just hacking that you're uh, protecting yourself against necessarily, but even just uh, drive-by data gathering, I guess, is the best way to put it. So um, we hear things about even uh, governments and airports collecting information on people's cell phones as they travel through airports. And then we do hear more about the more malicious kinds of hacking. So even just today, I think uh, Marriott Hotels had a problem with uh, some credit card information being lost and things like this. And this seems to happen every week now. 
And as we're doing more and more transactions online and we're sharing more and more information, and uh, set, what we're finding is that people are developing very personal profiles online and, and people who take advantage of that information, hackers for lack of a better term, um, have more and more information to pick up and, and to use against us, which is getting pretty scary. So does that mean that passwords become useless or that much more important? Um, definitely important and definitely important not to rely on a single password for multiple sites or things like this. Uh, but even even more importantly is how do you, if you lose that password or, or, or if you have to reset that password, what's the extra information that you've given to those websites to help you to, to recover that password? Um, a lot of sites are asking really inappropriate questions. They're asking things like date of birth and they're asking mother's maiden name. And these are bits of information that you're leaving with people that maybe you don't want to trust with that information because if, if these sites get compromised, that's information that you're giving up that will enable a hacker to get into your other aspects of your life. And what about from a mobile aspect? I mean, you know, people are so free on their phones and passing by. And as you said, you, you know, you can go through the airport and get, you know, kind of tagged or hacked or call it what you want. Um, how, how does one protect themselves? How do you protect against that, that type of, of intrusion? It's really, really hard because even if you're not really using your phone, it kind of has a fingerprint and it's not too difficult for people to pick up that fingerprint and be able to uh, see where you've been. Um, if, if they have their hooks into different areas, you, you, they can really track you pretty closely and, and see where you've been. Uh, one thing that a lot of people don't really pay attention to is, for example, hotels. Um, as you travel around the world, you use the, the Wi-Fi services in these different hotels with, with the same computer or the same phone. And that would allow those, even just those uh, hotel internet providers to develop a pretty sophisticated fingerprint of, of your life. Um, if somebody managed to get into that information and, and use it against you, it could, it could lead to some interesting times. Mitch, you know, we're talking about uh, digital security or digital marketing. How important when you're dealing with clients, do you raise the security issue of back information, websites? Does that enter the picture in your discussions? It sounds like we're scaring the crap out of you. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, dude. Sorry. <laughs> um, you always have to be sensitive and smart when it comes to your personal information. And I find that because the exchange that's happening online is I'm going to get all this amazing free stuff. All I have to give them is my information. People seem to have this um, powerful willingness to do that. Mm -hmm. it's, it's somewhat shocking and surprising to me that people are like, you know, I can't believe Facebook was hacked. And then two minutes later, they're posting pictures of their kids uh, and stuff on there. And I'm always sort of in this weird headspace of... Um, I really believe that most people don't understand what we're doing online. When I look at it, I look at it as a guy who used to publish magazines and I recognize that I am a media entity when I'm creating any form of content. And people don't like to hear this, but a text message to your loved one is a form of content mm -hmm. that's being broadcast across what you hope is a secure channel, but may inevitably not be. And that if you're not aware of that and constantly thinking about that as you create this content, woe is you and so it is the reality that we are exchanging our personal information in exchange for all of these services not realizing or, or, or recognizing how much valuable information we are sharing across them um, and also the fact that we don't necessarily know where this data is which is another big component that we were just talking about which is you know yeah open Wi-Fi signals I'm hopping on this and doing that those are all creating breadcrumbs you just have to hope that we live in a world where so many people are doing it that to a certain degree you're or patter of information becomes not as valuable as others unfortunately in the world of credit cards and that's unlikely 
and you know gullibility still lives amongst a lot of people and unfortunately common sense is not so common when it comes to security and protecting your personal information and uh we'll when we come back uh we'll of course get mitch joel's uh, one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur that's on the other side at 753. need a little midwinter pampering get it with a little help from Manwash. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.56, welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur. Our guest this evening, Mitch Joel of Twist Image, and Kevin Ammerman is here, of course, IT specialist with Fuller Landau, talking about uh, content and securing it online. And security, always, you know, always in... Unfortunately, not always in the front of people's minds, certainly in the back, but any other areas there are people, you know, that entrepreneurs or people should be aware of when it comes to security, Kev? Well, speaking to business owners and, and people who are developing websites and trying to sell things online, um, it's just, it's it's a good idea to be conscious of what information you should be collecting and keeping on site and, and what you shouldn't. So in order to limit how how big a risk that you are to, to your customers, uh, don't ask inappropriate information you know just ask for what you need uh provide the information that your customers are expecting and you know go that extra mile to, to try and help them out but if you don't really need to ask for personal information then don't ask for it and definitely don't keep it on hand well because that's just it you you have all this information all this very sensitive information that you've gathered uh I, there is a responsibility level social legal otherwise that you got to make sure this doesn't get out yeah, you've got to make sure that this stuff is secure. You are, as you collect it, you are responsible for it, and you can expect there to be consequences if it gets into the wrong hands. Is it? Is there something easy that business owners can do, whether it's a, a separate server, whether it's uh, locked up somewhere, is there anything that, that maybe they can ensure keeps this information very private and very secure? You've got to look at the whole picture, and you've got to make sure that you dot your I's and cross your T's and all of that stuff. There's big companies that, in theory, have a lot of people working on these kind of pro of questions, and they still manage to lose a lot of information. So it is a very good idea to, to take a close look and make sure that there's not uh, files being saved in places they shouldn't be or people having access to information they shouldn't at any time. Having information in the cloud, so to speak, you know, that's you know certainly a buzz term that everybody's become familiar with. Is that actually more secure or less secure? If it's done right, it's more secure. But there, again, there can be gaps in the security and you've, you've got to look at it from end to end and make sure that everything is all bottled up tightly. Something that you should check from time to time. I mean, uh, you know, is, is there a frequency that, that people should check things? Um, as frequently as you would check your cash register, right? Your, your money is coming in and out of there. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a good thing to keep an eye on. Excellent. And as we come up to the last moments of today's entrepreneur, we glean over to Mitch Droll. And, uh, and ask him, what one piece of advice, at least one piece of advice, would you give to today's entrepreneur? Well, as you know, I thought long and hard about this question, <laughs> preparing for the show. Minutes. Months Minutes. and months. I think the best advice that I could give any entrepreneur um, is something that I came to realize much later in my career, and I, I hopefully have a long way to go still. But it's simply put, the ability to present, to be a very good public speaker, to Spend the time understanding what it means to build a story, tell a story, and share a story. When I look at people we would all sort of laud as the best of the best, typically these are people who can get up in front of an audience and tell a very powerful story that would get the audience, the audience members to be a part of that story. And 
it's it's funny to me being a person who speaks professionally as well how lacking that skill is taught both in school and in the business world the ability to present i think is everything so there are great books yeah you could check out dr nick morgan gar reynolds nancy duarte check out their stuff online and they will shepherd you into that promised land uh, I think that's great. And a couple of takeaways that I get, uh, Dan, and certainly in talking with Mitch, is he's comfortable. He loves what he does. So certainly passion. Uh, you know, entrepreneurs become second nature. You don't you don't distinguish between work and life. It just happens to all mesh together. And the last comment is, that kind of came out very briefly, is you got to know what you don't know. And you got to not be afraid to have other people fill in those gaps of what you're missing in your own knowledge and ability base. And I think that... Uh, that it's an excellent example in Mitch and, and Twist Image. So thank you very much for that. Mitch Joel of Twist Image, thanks so much for stopping by. It was a pleasure. Uh, Kevin Ammerman, IT specialist with Full Orlando, thanks again. Josh, we're back next Monday night at 7. The Exchange is next on CJAD 800. It's 8 o'clock. Good evening. It's 8 o'clock. I'm Kelly LaPari, a few clouds tonight. It's minus 11 downtown. Full weather coming up after the news. Here's what's making news right now. Layoffs at Bixie. More than a dozen left to whore children ordered to be returned to Quebec and heroin found in the apartment of actor Philip Seymour Hoffman. From the CJD 800 Traffic Center, here's Curie Yeager. No congestion, no stalled vehicles, no accident. Uh, we simply do have uh, one situation, though, you should be aware of if uh, you do want to take Notre Dame Street near Angrigno. It's closed off completely, so you cannot use a Notre Dame past Angrigno at this time. And elsewhere, though, as I mentioned, we are looking good. I just want to mention as well that uh, the inbound Champlain Bridge will be reduced to one lane overnight tonight from 11 until 5. And if you have an update, call it in star 800 a free call with bell mobility take advantage of via rails escape fare no traffic no stress and from 39 dollars one way to toronto it's a no-brainer details at via traffic and transit every 15 minutes on cjad 800 next report 815 in the news a dozen employees of the company that runs bixie have lost their jobs in a round of layoffs announced today denis coder wasn't sure why he had to confirm the job losses instead of bixie's board of directors but he did 12 jobs will be lost two full-time and 10 part-time that includes bixie ceo michel philibert coder said that as bixie's principal creditor he had a responsibility to set the record straight my main goal now is to make sure and we will do it we are saving Big C Montreal for the season for this this summer season. Uh, in the future weeks, we're talking about two three weeks. I will already made some uh, statement. We will take some uh, decision at the executive committee for for the future of Big C Montreal. Coder said he didn't see the point of putting an elected official on Big board, something opposition leader Richard Bergeron has pushed for. He said the executive committee and Big parent company are working together to ensure its future, at least for this summer. At City Hall, Patrick Layton, ACJD 800 News. An Ontario judge is ordering the children of an ultra-Orthodox Jewish sect to return to Quebec. Members of the Love to Whore community left the province last fall while they were being investigated by social services for health and education issues. The judge has put a 30-day stay on the order to give the families a chance to appeal. Montreal police shot and killed a man this morning just outside the bus terminal near the corner of Barrie and Ontario streets. Several calls to 911 shortly before 11 this morning reported an ad 
agitated man wandering on the street while holding what looked to be a hammer. This witness told CTV News that a confrontation ensued and shots were fired. Uh, so they talk to him and they say, hey, like, we don't want you in the hostel. Um, we can't give your deposit back because you essentially destroyed a door. Um, and that's what really set him off. And he said, oh, you're not going to give me my 50 bucks. Is this window worth 50 bucks? Is this window? And he was bashing all these windows in. The victim was taken to hospital, was pronounced dead a couple of hours later. He was known to police. There have been a number of recent data breaches exposing thousands of usernames and passwords in plain text on the Internet. There are calls for beefed-up online security. The password, as we know it, is dead. Jose Fernandez is a cybersecurity expert with the Polytechnic School in Montreal. He says as long as the password alone sticks around, data breaches will continue. His solution? Two-step authentication. You would use a device that you purchase or you would use your phone and that phone generates a, a one-time password as it called. But then the problem is compatibility. Right now it's not user-friendly. We want as users to have one app on the phone in which I have a code for my Google and a code And for until my, all sites uh, that store your personal information don't jump on the boat, he doesn't think the situation's gonna get any better. Michelle Boyer, CJ, the 800 News. Bell Canada says it's contacted all of its small business customers whose email accounts were compromised by hackers. New details have been revealed on what was found in Philip Seymour Hoffman's New York City apartment when investigators discovered his body. Reporter Aaron Katursky. Philip Seymour Hoffman was found with a syringe in his arm, and police detectives found in the apartment numerous syringes, drug paraphernalia, prescription pills, and some 50 bags of heroin. Hoffman struggled with addiction and told interviewers last year he developed a heroin problem that led to time in rehab. His family called the death tragic and sudden. Send your tips and photos to your story at cjad.com. From the Dormebu Weather Center, a few clouds tonight with a low of minus 12, mainly sunny tomorrow and a high of minus 6. Temperature downtown right now is